I parked my car at the east entrance of the Sutton Urban Wilderness Park in Norman. Welcoming visitors was a gazebo with information on the plants and birds found inside the park. Two trails led into the trees where they disappeared from view. It seems like a small park from the outside, but in fact, the park stretches for 160 acres. I found the professor reading inside the gazebo. Hey there, Professor. What are we doing in Sutton Wilderness today? Welcome, Mr. Saxon. Well, uh, you call it a wilderness, and yet it's actually only a few years old. There's a lot of history here. I think I have some stories for you. Let's take a walk. This is Sam Saxon. Along with Professor Joff Deroot. And you're listening to Tales Unveiled where we travel across Oklahoma for ghost stories, as well as urban legends and local history. The professor led the way into the urban wilderness via the paved trail. In addition to his usual black notebook, he carried with him a few other books. When I asked him about them, he simply said they were for his research. The path ended at a scenic turnabout where the professor took me off the main trail to a nice shaded area with large chunks of old concrete foundation that we used like a picnic bench. While I got the recording equipment situated, the professor pulled out what I believe was one of those ghost box devices. He waved it around the area, and when it didn't say anything, he seemed rather happy and perhaps relieved. With everything good on my end, I prompted him with a question. Alright, Professor, we're now in the middle of Sutton Wilderness here in Norman, Oklahoma. What's the first story you got for me? There is an urban legend I've heard a few of the youngsters talking about. This is the story of the Sutton Wilderness Goatman. Sounds like a myth somebody started just to keep people out of here at night. It wouldn't be a bad idea. It is definitely trespassing to go into the woods after dark, uh, in addition to being dangerous and strange. Uh, but of course, once you start these myths and urban legends, you soon get people wanting to find out more. So it may very well attract more people, specifically those teenagers trying to scare one another. Well, what's the story exactly? Well, uh, the story echoes a lot of the famous Goatman stories from around the nation. Uh, talking with researcher Jim White, he refers to many of these appearances of Bigfoot as uh, being seen through a cultural lens. So people from a British background are familiar with ape men, and so you see wild men and ape men stories going back well into the 19th and even 18th century. As other immigrant populations come through, you start seeing more werewolf creatures. So these, these wolfmen and canids, uh, those come from a long Germanic history. And of course, in places where Dutch folk settled, they have the goatmen from their own mythic backgrounds. And what's the Goatman legend here? So it echoes a lot of the other ones, which are typically near hospitals or, uh, in this case, uh, psychiatric centers. So this whole area, uh, now covered in trees and fishing lake and walking trails, uh, this was actually grounds of Griffin Memorial Hospital, uh, the old Central State Mental Hospital. Uh, as this hospital shrunk, the, this whole landscape uh, was turned into parkland. And the story goes that 
uh, a baby was once turned over to the mental hospital, uh, horrendously deformed to the point that you would think it uh, was a goat as much as a human being. Uh, The child was raised up and cared for, and as uh, uh, being a precocious youngster, uh, was able to run around. Um, Clearly something that couldn't go into everyday culture and get a job, so happy enough just staying here. But as I said before, when this land was turned over to the city, uh, the goat boy uh, didn't know what else to do and, and just stayed here. And if that is true, then the goat boy would be somewhere in his 50s or 60s. Uh, and some people have said that he's already died and it is his spirit out here that is still walking around at night. To me, Set Wilderness has always been here, but you said it's relatively young? That's true. It's only been here a few years. So the story of Griffin uh, goes back just over 100 years. Uh, Originally, when Oklahoma Territory was established with the land run, uh, we had people who needed mental health help, and not having anything here on the prairie, uh, basically frontier, they were taken up to a spa in Illinois uh, by the territory's expense. A very expensive way to take care of folks, but when you need to take care of them, you do what you have to do. So... uh, Fast forward to Norman being settled and becoming a college town. This area was the campus of the first college in Norman, Highgate College, a Methodist school. Back when the University of Oklahoma was just uh, the Oklahoma Territorial College and had class sizes of 16, uh, Highgate had over 200 students uh, coming from all over to uh, get their educations in whatever Methodist curriculum you like. I didn't realize there was a college before OU. True story. Uh, They were very short-lived. They had a new president come aboard uh, who thought that students weren't focusing like they should. So he made it a girls-only school and got rid of half of his students there. And to go to Highgate, you had to sign a document stating that you would never go out after dark and you would never go to any place of amusement. That doesn't sound fun. No, no, literally not allowed to have fun in college. So students stopped coming, uh, the college closed, and about that time, there were some men who were looking for ways uh, to save money for the territory. And they found that uh, a hospital here could do uh, good care much less expensively. So they purchased the college, turned it into a central state mental hospital where uh, the territorial legislature would take care of patients uh, at, at, of course, an expense. So this for-profit hospital started up. And initially, it was very popular. It had a very strong anti-alcoholism program, and and lots of folks were sending their relatives in. And uh, Then people started pulling their family members out, and folks stopped checking themselves in. Uh, The story goes that uh, they were focused more on profit than on care, and eventually went into receivership. Uh, The territorial government took it over, and they brought in this young Dr. David W. Griffin, uh, a recent graduate, to kind of run the place. And uh, the story goes that Griffin walked in and immediately walked out, uh, headed up to the Capitol at Guthrie and told the legislature that uh, this can never become a for-profit hospital again. They're doing things to people in there that you wouldn't do to animals. That is a very harsh opinion, especially he, back then. Yeah, he was. Uh, he certainly had, had his opinions, uh, which, of course, chaining people down and feeding them when you have to is certainly not good psychiatric care. No, not at all. No. Uh, which I would agree with him on that. Uh, He did have some other opinions. Uh, He was a big fan of work therapy. 
So this idea that rather than having people mull over their problems, you uh, give them an occupation and let them work on something and use their hands, uh, uh, make themselves proud. So he wrangled the legislature enough to turn it back into a public hospital and, and uh, promised he would keep expenses as low as possible. And so he started up a garden so that they could feed themselves. And, and it did very well. So then they started a dairy and then a vineyard. And these were going so well that lots of people were coming in and they had to get a little creative. So uh, they started up a, an industrial laundry. And for years, uh, you would see the uh, central state mental hospital trucks driving up and down, dropping off uh, linens for restaurants and hotels. Uh, they, in fact, even started an ice factory. And many people in Norman to this day uh, have their memories of their first jobs going to central state and working with uh, the patients and uh, alongside them just being able to leave at night, I suppose. Well, what happened to them? Because they're no longer around. Well, uh, Griffin retired in 1950, uh, which by then the complex had grown into this multi-square-mile facility on the northeast side of town. All these industries and things going on. uh, In fact, they were generating revenue for the state. They they didn't cost a thing. Uh, Since then, people have decided that you shouldn't be doing work therapy, putting patients to work for no benefit to themselves. Uh, So that principle has changed, uh, as as well as a lot of improvements in pharmaceuticals. So you don't necessarily need to be in an institution. Uh, You can just take some meds and you'll be all right. So beds, they say they had upwards of 1,500 at one point. Uh, Now they have one to 200, depending on how things are kind of setting up for that, that term. Uh, And with that, we've constricted quite a lot. You can see grain elevators that used to feed an entire dairy complex, and now they're just surrounded by soccer fields. And up on this Sutton Wilderness area, we had uh, a graveyard, and uh, still in some places you can see foundation stones sticking up from the ground from the old residential area they built. On the subject of what's still here, just south of wilderness there are some buildings but they're abandoned uh any stories about them right now oh tons uh which we that is a running facility and and of course they have uh, patients and they have lots of folks working there but since it has decreased so much there are numerous buildings Uh, one i saw just had been torn down but there's the old veterans chapel and hope hall the the long uh building uh with caged in balconies that sometimes have wheelchairs on them and sometimes don't so always makes me wonder who's moving the wheelchairs so apparently some of the patients may still be around i've heard quite a few different stories like what most of the stories i've heard uh have come from uh people who used to work there uh i talked to an orderly once who his story was working with a patient who uh, liked to take walks. That was what calmed him down whenever he got worked up. So uh, from time to time, they would just walk the grounds and he'd he'd be all right. So one night they were out for a walk and they were circling uh, the old veterans chapel, the big kind of cathedral looking thing with uh, no windows, all all bricked up. Uh, They were walking and they saw a white, he described it as a thing. That's the only thing he could fit, he could say to match it. he said it was white, bright white, and it was uh, long and flat like a sheet. And it was wriggling up in one of the top windows, which they thought something had gotten caught up there, so they're watching. Uh, but then it pulled itself free, climbed up on top of the roof, and then it turned around, and he said it looked at them, even though it didn't have eyes. That is unusual. He said it definitely uh, sticks in his mind. Uh, 
so the thing watched them for a moment, and then it jumped off, flew down over their heads, and then swooped straight up into the sky where it disappeared. Any other encounters? Uh, quite a few. Uh, another fellow who was talking to me about his stint there uh, said that he had gone into one of the buildings that was now all shut down and used for storage, where he uh, was just going in to get something, and as he past one of the rooms that had a lot of the old electrical equipment piled up, uh, he saw a lady in there wearing a, a white gown and a white paper cap like nurses used to wear. It. And he thought it was just somebody pulling a prank, so he, he called to her and said, excuse me, are you supposed to be here? And she just ignored him. She just kept doing what she was doing. So he walked up to her and said, hey, I need to see some identification. And he said she turned to him, looked at him straight in the eye, and then vanished. Just vanished? Just vanished. No one was there certainly something going on uh, but that dedication seems to uh, trickle over I was talking to a nurse who had worked there previously when Hope Hall was open and she said that about 10 o'clock every night uh, not every night but enough that you would come to expect it as the, the time came the elevator down the hall would open up and a bright orb of light would come out down the hall turn the corner at the nurse's station and then go out the front doors Almost every night. Almost every night. And uh, they, of course, started talking to each other. And the nurses said, yeah, I've seen it too. And so they started talking to some of the older nurses, seeing if they had seen it. And after, after a certain point, they, uh, the nurses would say, no, I've never seen anything like that in my life. And, and one old nurse did point out, they said, oh, what time did you say it was, 10? Well, back in the old times, uh, before the shift changes, that was when uh, old people, uh, that's when the old shift would run out. So I guess it's just somebody going home. Hmm. So there's dedication to, to stay on. And there's some more mischievous stuff. Uh, there was a fellow who told me that he was working in an office with uh, three people, a three-person office, and there was a poltergeist that seemed to have no problem with any of the other people there, but it would always throw office supplies at him. So whenever he was working, he always had to keep an eye open uh, because pa pens, papers, even staplers would fly across the room and, and try to hit him in the head. And... To this day, he has no idea what he could have done to, to, to make it mad, but uh, apparently something. And where was that at? Uh, this was in uh, one of the buildings at Griffin Memorial. Any other more prankster or trickster or mean spirits? Uh, there was a lady who said that she had seen a shadow figure. Uh, she said she was working in her office, uh, happened to glance up, because um, something had just kind of made her feel strange. And as she did, there was a dark mist coming out of the far wall. And it took form of kind of a rough human shape and then went out through the door. Uh, and she didn't tell anyone. In fact, it was years until uh, kind of Halloween was approaching and people were telling stories of things they had seen. And she said, oh, well, this is what happened to me my first week here. And everybody said, well, that's wild. Why didn't you tell us? And she said, well, it is a psychiatric hospital and I wanted to go home at night. Yeah, that's a, that's a good reason to not tell anybody. <laughs> But speaking of mean-spirited spirits, that does take us back to this famous goat man. So the legend is uh, that whether living or acting now as just some kind of dark spirit holding on to the only land he knew is home, uh, they say that as you walk the trails at night, uh, you'll hear footsteps, uh, specifically hoofs clopping, coming up behind you. Uh, and if you go a little faster, the, the hooves will clop a little bit faster and a little slower and it'll stay behind you. They say that it will come closer and closer uh, until you can feel a hot breath blowing on the back of your neck, 
which if you ever do, then it's already too late, because if you turn back to look at that point, he'll grab you and drag you off into the trees, and you'll never be seen again. The professor paused, putting a finger over his mouth to signal for me to keep quiet. I listened. All I heard were the sounds of cicadas and a fussy toddler off in the distance. We continued our conversation. I'm curious, were there any major disasters at the hospital? There is the famous 1914 fire. The professor flipped through his notes and corrected himself, saying the fire was actually in 1918 and apologized. I tried to make a joke with him that I can't keep dates straight, but he waved me off. He seemed frazzled as he wasn't one to make such a mistake. He went on with the story. So the story goes that uh, late one night, uh, a fire simply broke out, which this was in the early days of uh, electricity, and there's some questions about what uh, lanterns were being used and heating devices. But early in January, a fire broke out in the men's dormitory, which, of course, everything's under lock and key, and so the orderlies rushed to save as many people as they could, uh, but there were over 30 people who weren't saved. And uh, family members were notified, but only one patient's family came out to collect him. Everyone else was left here. So they uh, decided to set up a little cemetery and and had a single mass grave for everyone. Uh, They buried them in a a ceremony and then forgot where it was. So decades later, as they were building and expanding, uh, they always had to be a little bit careful because nobody quite knew where these many bodies were scattered. Uh, It wasn't until uh, the 2010s, uh, here just a few years ago, when Norman Fire Department got a new piece of equipment, uh, which was uh, uh, some sort of EM scanner that could tell where bodies were behind walls. And so to test it out, they thought they'd bring it out here to the hospital, and they asked some of the old-timers where they, they might think to look. And actually, just within a few hours, they were able to locate this mass grave. And there was a new ceremony dedicated to plaque, and hopefully those men are resting well. Where is this grave at now? It is on the grounds uh, near Old Hope Hall. Uh, Not to be confused with the other Griffin Memorial Cemetery, which is over here in Sutton Park, and apparently does have apparitions from time to time. People doing paranormal investigations uh, sometimes come there and uh, call out for voices with the ghost walks to see if someone will reply, and uh, sometimes you might see figures walking about aimlessly although they could be with their cell phones simply trying to catch those pocket monsters. Since Sutton hasn't been here forever, where did it come from? Well, this land was turned over to the city from the old mental hospital, which, as it decreased, it no longer needed all this land. and uh, City officials thought it could make a pretty good park. And they decided that they wanted to make it a wilderness park, so they brought in experts, including... Uh, Dr. Sutton from University of Oklahoma. So George M. Sutton, the only Oklahoma faculty member to have been knighted, apparently. Oh, wow, that's quite prestigious. By the Parliament of Iceland. I didn't know parliaments could do that. Well, there you go. Uh, So he had made his fame as being an ornithologist. So he studied birds. Uh, He and Audubon apparently uh, got along fairly well and uh, had made great studies and made major publications in the 50s and 60s, and as they were looking to turn things back into a wilderness, a bird-watching facility sounded quite good. 
And so they said, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll turn this back to what it looked used to be. And Sutton said, well, it all used to be prairie. There are not a lot of birds you'd be able to see, just what's in the grasses. And so instead they put their minds together and, and created a wilderness. Uh, so this is much more of what we might see a few miles uh, east of here than uh, the natural plains where buffalo once roamed. There is a portion of it that is prairie. Which, it could have all been that, but through the efforts of the city, they've uh, put together a pretty impressive facility. We have fishing, we have uh, plenty of birds to see, and they've just finished a major renovation with paving trails and uh, a nice little gazebo for information. Well, Professor, it's starting to get dark now, so perhaps it's best that we leave. I think we should. Do you hear something? Tales Unveiled is a production of the Show Starts Now Studios and is produced by Dennis Spielman. The voice of Sam Saxton is Dennis Spielman. The voice of Professor Jeff DeRoot is Jeff Provine. The opinions and stories told are that of the individuals and do not reflect their employer, affiliates, and spirits mentioned. Join us on Patreon to help support Tales Unveiled while getting exclusive rewards. Visit talesunveiled.com to find out how to become a patron supporter. I would encourage you to ponder this advice from Carol Mosley Braun during her next wilderness hike. Magic lies in challenging what seems impossible. Mm-hmm.